Hello and welcome to Beyond Survival, the new teacher podcast. My name is Jamie Tom. Today is this week's episode of Teacher Talks, which is a 15 minute episode in which a central aspect of teaching and learning is explored and its benefits in terms of the classroom. And over the next two weeks, I'm going to be looking at the fascinating role of questioning in the classroom. And today's talk will explore some of the main questioning traps to avoid falling into in your classroom. So I'd like us to use our imagination to stop. If we were observers walking around a school with a stopwatch, popping in out of lessons and timing what we see, I'd like to argue that one of the things we would see more than anything else in any classroom across the UK and indeed across the world would be questioning. Questioning and responding is the absolute bedrock of what happens in classrooms. And I think it's an absolutely fascinating area to explore. And the first thing I'd like to do is explore why questioning is so important as a learning tool. And there's a number of reasons for that. The minute we ask a question, we spark off thinking in a classroom, active thinking. And that obviously is really closely correlated to engagement. When we're asking lots and lots of questions, we're helping with the engagement in the classroom. And we're building positive relationships through the nature of the interactions we have with young people, in particular, if they are quality interactions. And not only that, but clearly, when we're asking questions, it's one of the most important ways in which we check understanding in our classrooms. We're not up on a stage delivering some kind of beautiful soliloquy to an audience. Teaching is an interactive and iterative process and questioning is one of the main ways in which we achieve that form of interaction. And the research absolutely proves that theory. Barack Rosenstein's Principles of Instruction has a quotation I think that captures that particularly well. He says, Questions allow a teacher to determine how well the material has been learned and whether there is a need for additional instruction. The most effective teachers, he continues, also ask questions to explain the process they use to answer the question to explain how the answer was found. Less successful teachers ask fewer questions and almost no process questions. And I think that's a really, really important final point. The most effective teachers ask more questions. But the reality is we are rattling off questions mechanically often throughout our working days without the necessary reflection on how best we can use them. The result is that with questioning, even with the very, very best of intentions, every single teacher can fall into a number 
of questioning traps. And for clarity in this talk, I'd like to spend the next 10 minutes looking at five of those questioning traps. And the reason for doing this isn't to make us feel guilty, to make us feel like, oh, we are I'm a terrible questioner. What am I doing in my classroom? But it's more about making us reflective about how we use the endless questions we're asking every single day. And as I say, next week, what I'll do is look at some of the ways we can maximize the potential of questioning. So the first of those traps is a really simple one. And I know I do this when I'm working with students in a school base or when I'm working with adults in a training or some kind of workshop base. It's really simple. It's just guess what is in the head. And it's a really natural one. All of us teach kind of content-rich curriculum. So we feel this real sense of pressure that we need to rush through material. We need to rush through specifications. And on that basis, we really do frequently ask questions that merely seek to reinforce the content and the knowledge we have shared. We often really do do, we often do that, excuse me, without providing any real insight into how our students are expected to answer a question. Often, we're just looking for young people to regurgitate the information in our heads without any real intellectual engagement. And those students who have that knowledge that is inside our heads will volunteer and the rest the rest will completely and utterly switch off. And I know when I did this, very, very often, it was a rhetorical question. And even more tragically, I would start to answer my own question without really waiting for time for students to respond themselves. So that's the first trap. I've got this in my head. I want my students to parrot it back to me. So I'm going to wait for them to say, what is inside my magnificent teacher head? Okay, the second one is about closed questions dominating. So this is interconnected with the first example, as all of them are in the five. But this is about questions that we ask as teachers that only require students to recall the facts only test lower order skills. So George Brown and E.C. Rag did some fascinating research into this. It's about 20 years old now, but it's really, really interesting. And they looked at the types of questions that teachers asked in the classroom. And they point out that higher level questions are used in the classroom only 10 to 20% of the time. And these closed questions often only require a single word answer or a short factual response. They don't open up to any real degree of explanation or exploratory concepts. And of course, they have their place within our classrooms. There are times when we need to ask questions that just have a very simple yes or no 
or a very simple factual answer. But the dominance of this form of questioning is something for us to reflect on. Is it really doing enough to extend and challenge thinking that might be going on in our classrooms and learning spaces? Could we follow, for example, a question that is more closed with a question that's more exploratory? How did you arrive at that answer? That's really, really interesting. Where have you got that answer from? So are we following that up and are we probing it? Okay, so that's example number two. The dominance of closed questions. Okay, so in our fictional scenario, when we're walking around the school with our stopwatch, popping in and out and seeing what's happening in terms of classrooms, we've revealed that questioning is absolutely ubiquitous. It's everywhere. We can see it in every single classroom. One of the things and one of the traps that's perhaps the most common is the notion of time. Now, again, I know I'm absolutely 100% guilty of this in a classroom basis and other basis. Asking a question and then flying, pouncing on the first person that pops up their hand, pouncing really, 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 really quickly and asking that question without leaving any time for the processing that needs to happen when we ask a question. And if we really pause on that moment, if we pause to consider the internal process that young people must go through in order to generate some kind of response, we really see why this is problematic. So in their research, PH Winnie, and R.W. Marx noted that students, in response to the question, must perceive the instructional stimuli, note their occurrence, understand the cognitive processes that are required, use the processes to create or manipulate information to be stored as learned material, and encode the information for later retrieval. Now, research has found that most teachers leave one second after asking a question. And we'll look a little bit more into this next week, Mary Bud Rose research into this, but one question, one, excuse me, one second rather, to go through all that processing is nothing. And if we are in that habit of asking a question and pouncing straight away, you really note the reaction of students in the room. They switch off because they know that Bertie, for example, who raises his hand in response to every single question that is ever asked, will throw up his hand straight away and the teacher will go to them. So there's no onus on them to go through any kind of thinking or any kind of reflection. They are safe doing nothing, fundamentally, in that room. So that's the third, the pounce, the very, very quick question and answer process that dominates in terms of questioning in the classroom. The next one I'd like to talk about is that beautifully pointless rhetorical question that dominates classrooms. Any questions? So, at various points in the lesson, we are tempted to ask the students if anyone has any questions. 
in the back of our minds, we're thinking, if, if I know that encouraging them to ask questions will help with their learning, it help with their motivation. But the reality is that the great majority of students are usually unwilling to admit publicly they're unsure about content. If we think about that as adults, would we interrupt a meeting really often to check and ask questions? Perhaps the more confident of us who are listening would, but ultimately that question, any questions, is often greeted with silence. And it's a silence that we assume results in the knowledge being beautifully nestled inside their minds. But that's an assumption that's untested, that's untried, and ultimately is likely to be false. Therefore, we move on far too quickly when quite possibly a large number of students in the room do not understand. So that is our fourth one. Any questions? Our fifth point is really about how we respond to answers we get in a classroom. And quite often we do two things. First of all, we accept very quickly. And secondly, we overly praise. And again, it's entirely natural. We want to motivate our students. We want to get them answering in the classroom. We want to build up that relationship with them. But often it means we accept answers that are limited, that we really could probe. And we'll look at this next week. How do we probe them? But we really could probe those answers to deepen the quality of the interaction in the room. And often, again, particularly when we receive an answer from a student we're not used to receiving an answer from, we overpraise. That was absolutely fantastic. What a brilliant answer. What a great answer. Whereas the reality is the student probably knows that it's not the best answer they've given. That they could probably come up with more in terms of deepening the quality of the answer. So, to summarise, five traps. Guess what's in my head? Closed questions dominating. Not leaving enough time. Asking, has anyone got any questions? Accepting things that are given, answers that are given, and overly praising. So this week, I would really encourage listeners just to slow down in your own classroom and reflect on if you're using these five very common questioning traps. So by becoming more self-aware and conscious of the things we're doing in the classroom every single day, we can then take proactive steps to make small changes. And the changes we can make in how we ask questions, which we'll look at next week, can be hugely powerful in deepening the quality of thinking and learning in our classrooms. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that's been helpful. As usual, if you have found it helpful, please do pass it on to any other teachers at the start of their career who might benefit from thinking a little bit about the questioning they use in their classrooms. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your week.